the introduction to the worship back then was amazing. How many of you were there at the very beginning? And it, not too many. Oh, I'm the oldest one in the crowd. But it was great. It was so awesome. And it's just always so good to be back and, and just to be, you know, vineyard churches carry the heart, you know, of worship and of fellowship and family. And I just love that. Uh, I did work with uh, John and Paula Sanford for nine years over in the States and um, ministered, you know, before that, of course. But um, a Kiwi came in and uh, caught my heart, and we married and moved over here. So I've been here about almost seven years now. And uh, since that time, as Matt said, been working with Elijah House New Zealand. We have, Pete and I have a ministry, and we uh, do a lot of seminars and one-on-one ministry and a lot of training. Um, I, did, uh, I do have a book table, and I brought some product. I was here at a seminar a few weeks ago, so just left the suitcase. So I have some things. If you're interested, uh, just have a peek. I, I, this is one of my favorites. It's the Healing Trauma Series. It's... Uh, it's, I think, 12 DVDs um, and uh, accompanying workbook. Um, but it has helped so many people to come to a place of deep healing. You know, when we're deeply wounded, we need that deep healing, don't we? And I felt like there would be a woman here uh, this morning, and you, you've suffered a lot of trauma. And I felt like the Lord said that, that I was to give these to you, and there would be some keys in here to help you to understand what you've been through, but also um, the healing, how you can be healed. So is there anyone here? And you say, I think that's me. I'd love, I'd love the set. All right. There you go. God bless you. I'd throw it to you, but I'm a horrible thrower. Okay. And then I'd have to pray to release the trauma. Uh, so this morning, uh, the scripture that I wanted to start with, if we could just have that very first slide, is a familiar one. And it's out of the book of Revelation. And it says this, and we can all read it together, eh? It says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and will dine with him and he with me. And we know that Jesus is saying these words, right? Well, I don't know about you guys, but this was a puzzling scripture for me because we've used this scripture for evangelism a lot. And we see the picture, the old picture of Jesus standing at the door. And it's not wrong to use it for evangelism, but actually the book of Revelation was written to whom? Christians, the church. And so it's like, oh, what does that mean? Behold, I stand at the door and knock. You know, that word behold means pay attention, wake up. Behold, I'm knocking at the door. What can that possibly mean? Jesus is saying, if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in. And I thought, you know what, uh, Christians, Jesus is in our heart, right? He's in. It's not like Jesus is halfway in and halfway out. He's in. He's fully in. So what does it mean for him to say to us, behold, I stand at the door. I'm knocking. If you hear my voice, if you open up the door, I will come in. I will abide with you. I will eat with you. I'll spend some time with you. What in the world does that mean? And as I was pondering this, I thought of something that happened when my kids were little. And uh, some friends called, and they said, hey, we're in the neighborhood. Can we come up for a cup of tea? And I said, sure, sure, come on up. You're welcome. I'll put the the pot on. And 
Then I hung up, and then I went crazy. I said, okay, kids, let's clean up this house. Have you ever been there? It's like, oh, my gosh, it, it was chaos. And so we quickly gathered everything, threw it in this closet, you know, and shut the door. And you know how you're pushing against it, and you hope that the door's not going to come open. And you look and see if there's anything that's, that's you know, hanging out the sides or uh, uh, under the bottom. And, you know, we, we tidied everything up, and it looked great when the company came, eh? See, I have caught a little bit of your language, eh, I reckon, you know? <laughs> and so I thought, oh, I think this is a really good example. I think for many of us that we have had things in our life that we don't want to think about, that are pretty messy, that may be chaotic. And we've put them in this place, we've shut the door, and we've, we've hoped that nobody will come and open it up, right? That it, everything looks tidy. And you come to church and everybody says, well, how are you? And we say, fine. We put on our fine face. <laughs> and what someone once said, actually fine means fully in need of everything. Uh, <laughs> but everything looks tidy, but inside we're a bit of a mess. My friend Thea went to Japan, and it was so amazing, and, and I've been there, and everything is tidy. Oh, my gosh, the gardens are beautiful, the people are tidy, you know, and they, they're so polite. They have rules for everything, and their cars are nice. You know, they can, they can only drive those cars for a few years. Once they get ratty, they send them overseas, and we buy them cheap. But... <laughs> She said, oh, oh, pastor, he said, uh, she said, everybody is so nice here. And he said, ah, we nice on the inside, but inside we a mess, inside we a mess. <laughs> and I think so many of us that we look okay on the outside, but inside maybe it's not so fine. Yeah. And I love, one of the values of, of Vineyard is the willingness to be vulnerable and to be open. I love that. And so today I'd like to just take you on a bit of a journey of what that might look like. Um, but you know what? Some people will have this question. Why focus on the past? You know, why, why look at the closet? I mean, I don't want to go there, do you? I don't want to sit around and talk about how bad it was growing up. And, you know, trust me, I don't want to do that either. But let's ask this question. Why focus on the past? Because, if you can see that through the drums, Philippians 3.13 in the New Living Translation says this, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. And so aren't we just to forget the past and go on? Well, yes. However... If that past, if the things that have happened in the past, if they've been healed, if they have been forgiven, if they have been, if our sinful responses to what has happened has been brought to the cross, then those things become part of us. They become part of our testimony. They become actually a part of our overcoming, eh? Can you think back in your own life of some things that were really challenging or hurtful or painful or traumatic? trying, and you work through them, and Jesus healed your heart, 
and you were able to forgive. It may have taken a while, but you were able to forgive. You released the bitterness to Jesus. You uh, released the anger to him, and you worked through those, those things. And now it's your testimony, and you can share those. And with the comfort that you received during that time, you end up comforting others. It's part of our maturing process of growing up into Christ in all things, right? And it's part of what will help us to finish well, to run that race and finish well. However, some Christians have read this and said, I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past, and they believe that that means that whatever happened in the past is over. And I've talked to people, <laughs> and there was one young man came for ministry, and um, he had a lot of things happening in his life, a lot of sin. Might as well just be real. He had a lot of sin in his life, Christian. And, um, and he had shared that something really bad had happened to him when he was four years old, and I, or five years old. And I, I just asked him, well, have you, um, have you forgiven this person? And he said, oh, yes, when I became a Christian, I forgive everybody for everything. Amen. I said, oh, awesome. <laughs> you know, and a lot of times that's where we begin, is forgiving everybody for everything. Amen. However... I've looked at the life history, and there's a lot of stuff going on in your life right now. I'm wondering if we could simply ask the Holy Spirit if it might be connected with some things that may be unresolved in your past. And so he was willing, he was willing to do that. So as Christians, and we can have that next slide, as Christians, we are to produce good fruit. Amen. And that comes from relationship, relationship with the Holy Spirit. We are to be rooted and grounded in love, right? Ephesians tells us. We're to drink uh, life from the love and from the breath of the Holy Spirit, as we sang about today. We're to drink from God's word. And just, you know, not just, oh, I have to do my daily devotional, but we look at the Word of God, and it's alive, isn't it? And it's so fun. And it's like, oh, you read something, and it's like, God, when did you put that in there? I've not seen that before. And it's exciting. There's life. And so we drink that nurture, and as we drink that nurture from healthy relationships, from God, from love, as we drink that, then we begin to produce fruit. And, you know, I know you've been in Sunday school, and you've sang the songs about love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faith, gentleness, and self-control. And so when we have that fruit of the Spirit, then we know that we're drinking nurture, from the Holy Spirit, eh? But how many of us have tried, really, really tried? Some people even pray for this. I tried when I was brand new Christian, stopped altogether. But some people pray for patience. And some people, <laughs> I've learned not to do that. If God wants to produce that fruit of the Holy Spirit, then he will. I remember one day, um, waking up and just thinking, man, I've been so crabby with my kids lately. Uh, you know, oh, today is going to be a new day. I am going to be the most patient mother that ever lived. Uh, you know, I'm going to, it's going to be a new day for me and for the kids. And so I got up and I was just so filled with enthusiasm and, you know, just purpose, right? Have you been there? I'm going to be patient today. And then I opened up the cupboard and there were no coffee filters. Now, if you love coffee, that's a serious thing. No paper towels, no nothing. It's like, oh. And so you know where that patience went, right? Right out the window, right? And so if, if the fruit of the Spirit 
if we could produce that by our own determination and our own works, it would be called fruit of the flesh. And that's not very nice. <laughs> and it doesn't glorify God. And it's not very real. And how many of you know that when we try to be these things and put on our fine face, when we go out in the world, who can tell that that's not real? The people we come in contact with. You know, they want real people. And they're hungry for real love, real gentleness, real kindness, real patience, real joy. You know what? When they go, I really fully believe that people who are attracted to gangs, they're attracted to family. That's what they're longing for, that connection and that, that family. People who, you know, who drink and, and have parties and fun, they're looking for joy. So the world is looking for the real deal. And so as we're rooted in Christ and we produce that fruit of the Spirit, people will be drawn to that. Hey, you know, sometimes we spend a lot of money. I've been in quite a few churches as I've moved around and been on a few boards. And um, there was lots of talk about different programs to bring people in. What can we do? What kind of programs? What kind of outreach? But I believe that as we get healed as we become transformed, as we begin to manifest Christ and simply walk in love and walk in kindness, the churches won't be big enough. Yeah. And so we, we begin to grow in Christ. But however, if we can look at this next slide. Sometimes in our life, there is fruit that is unbecoming a Christian or inconsistent with that fruit of the Holy Spirit. And you can just look at their ne uh, negativity, fear, pornography, hopelessness, confusion, indecision, passivity. Uh, and this is a key one, absence of the miraculous. I think that's a major bad fruit in the church today, eh? Scripture tells us that if I believe, signs and wonders will follow, Right? So if I look behind me and signs and wonders aren't following, I reckon that's bad fruit. I think that God wants to continue to do those things. So it's not his fault. Lord, is there something in me that's preventing the free flow of your Holy Spirit? Is there something in me, God, that hasn't been dealt with yet? And you know what? When you ask the Holy Spirit those questions, he is so happy. That's his job, to convict us of sin, eh? How about depression or addictions? You know, there, there's so much depression. And do you know one of the major causes of death in our young people in this nation? What is it? Suicide. It's serious. We see this fruit. Broken relationships, shame, panic. We feel far from God. Worry, anger, um, illness and disease. I believe, not all illness, but I believe that many of the things that we're struggling with physically is a result of something that's going on inside us spiritually that hasn't been dealt with. And so if we see this fruit, then in that area of our life, 
that would indicate that we're drinking nurture from something other than the Holy Spirit of God. And usually that something else is unhealed trauma. You can't see it there, but unhealed trauma, unresolved issues, and our <clears throat> sinful responses to what has happened. Now, for years, way back when, if you had fruit, bad fruit in your life, especially if it was big, bad fruit, you know what I'm talking about? You know the big stuff that we won't name right now. But if you had that kind of fruit, people would say, well, then you must not be saved. But it's like, wait, 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 I am saved. I love Jesus. But look at this. By their fruit, you shall know them. So that means that you're not a Christian. It's like, no, that didn't make sense to me. And I saw bad fruit in my life. But you know what? It was like, I know I'm a Christian. And so many people would go back to the altar to get resaved. Or they would come up to the altar to get delivered. And they'd have this fantastic deliverance. And then all of a sudden, they'd go back and they'd find themselves going around the mountain. And they'd be so discouraged and wonder, what's up with that? And some people keep coming. But you know what? Most of us keep com uh, stop coming. You know, we just get tired. It's like, oh, this isn't working. I, I, don't, I don't get this. I can't have victory. What, what's going on? And so I think that if we look at our lives honestly and say, you know what? There is bad fruit in our life. There has to be a root. And simply say, Holy Spirit, where is it coming from? He will show us, and we can deal with it. We can cut off that root. Now, this is where it gets confusing because some of us have really, really, really good fruit in a certain area of our life, like maybe in ministry or at work. But with primary family at home, you know, our relationship with our spouse is suffering, our relationship with the kids, our relationship with God. And so we can look at this and we can say, yeah, but it's great over here, but not so great here. And sometimes people will say, well, this validates that or the good stuff validates this. It must mean I'm okay. And I ministered to a pastor and his wife, and she was sitting there crying and just brokenhearted, really, and just desperate that the marriage would receive some help. And he was telling me the things that were happening, supernatural manifestations, people, thousands of people, um, He'd started many, many churches, uh, just would touch thousands of people a year. I mean, this was really amazing. And yet I said, but sir, look at this. This is important, what's happening here. Right, we've got to look at this. We're not going to negate this. We're going to ask God to bless this and give increase. But we can't negate this as well. We've got to look at this. Where is this bad fruit coming from? And I love this type, uh, the way we look at it, because it, it doesn't produce shame. If, we, if someone comes and shares something, it's like, oh, I have this going on in my life, and I should know better, and I should be more mature than this. And it's like, oh, yeah, that's bad fruit. Let's find out where it's coming from. And it's so hopeful to know that there would be help, <laughs> right? Oh, we could get to the root. And it just takes the shame out of it. It's like, yeah, this is Holy Spirit's job to convict us of sin, and this is sin. Therefore, we'll ask, he'll show, and we'll deal with it. Now, the key is understanding how to deal with it 
once it's revealed, which simply means how do you deal with something? Unresolved uh, issues, unhealed trauma. And the first thing we look at is the healing of the heart. Our hearts are broken, right? And then we look, how did you, how did you sinfully respond to what happened to you? And work that through, bringing an ax to the root. How many of you know that if you just see this fruit and you just keep picking it, is it going to deal with the issue? No, usually more fruit comes the next season if you pick it, right? And I came from Washington State, and we were quite proud of our apples. And you Kiwis are quite proud. I'm almost considering myself a Kiwi, although I do have the accent. But we were so proud of our apples, and I always thought that if you saw a worm on the outside of an apple, that it, it was working its way in. And if you just picked off the apple, the problem would be, or picked off the worm, the problem would be solved. But I learned that there's something called the coddling moth, and it actually lays an egg in the blossom before there even was an apple. And so as that apple grows, it grows around that little egg, and the egg continues to grow through its life cycle. By the time you see it at the outside, it, it's ready to fly away or to become a moth and fly away and start the whole process again. So with us, we can look at the bad fruit and think, oh, all I have to do is just stop doing it. I'll manage my behavior. But what does Jesus say? It's not so much about managing our behavior. The problem is in us. Do you remember when Jesus said, these things cometh from the heart? Sin comes from the heart. It's not wrong to, to try and manage your behavior or to work on those things. But if the heart issue isn't dealt with, you're simply picking fruit. And you'll either get tired of it or you'll get really, really, really tired or just give up altogether. So m one of my friends um, <clears throat> bought a property in Idaho State. And it was a beautiful property, a beautiful home, and he would walk on the land. And uh, in one area of the land, there was always garbage. And so he'd pick up the garbage and, you know, throw it away. The next time he went out, there was garbage again. He'd pick it up and throw it away. And he went out another time, and there was a bicycle wheel sticking up out of the ground. And he thought, what's going on here? And so he talked to a neighbor, and the neighbor said, don't, don't you know what happened there? And he said, no. And the guy said, well, when the owner, the original owner, built your home, he lived during that time in a double-wide mobile home, so it was really old. And so when he was done, he filled it with garbage, imploded it, and buried it. And so what you're seeing is garbage that's working its way to the surface. And so Cliff, my friend, called the Environmental Protection Agency, and the guy looked at the map, and he said, wow, something has to be done immediately because that's right over the Spokane Aquifer, and that's where thousands of people get their drinking water. It could defile and pollute the whole aquifer. And so the original owner had to come get a digger, dig it up, and not only the double-wide mobile home, but there were toilets and paint cans and all kinds of toxic chemicals that had been buried. And then he had to dig out the contaminated soil, and then he had to put in good soil and return it to rightful design. And I thought, what a good example of what we do. 
But Nancy, his wife, is a trauma nurse, and she's the kind of nurse that you want, or person that you want if there's an emergency. She's, you know, matter of fact, a wonderful Christian. Oh, she's wonderful. But she said, after the conversation changed, and she said, you know, Sandy, I just don't get this inner healing stuff. Why can't people just get over their stuff? You know, why can't we just forget the past and go on? You know, there's a world going to hell, and we have to help. And, and I just kind of smiled, and I said, well, actually, Nancy, you guys gave me the best illustration. There are so many people, and they know that they have this glorious inheritance in the saints. They know that they, you know, they love Jesus, and they're just walking along, and all of a sudden, they see this garbage, this sin in their life. And so they pick it up, and they throw it away. And then they come, and there it is again. You know, it's like, aw. And so they hide it, or they don't want people to see it. Uh, and then they come and they trip over this addiction or this sin. I thought I dealt with that. Oh, here it is again. I just, just Facebooked with a uh, messenger, a man, young man in another country today. He said, I've had a beautiful four years and I'm starting to trip up again. Oh, what's going on? Oh, I thought I dealt with that. And I said, we could spend our whole life picking up garbage. We could spend our whole life just hoping nobody else sees, you know, making everything look nice, right? Or we could simply say, Holy Spirit, let's get the digger. Where is this stuff coming from? Dig it up. Dig up what's been contaminated. You know what? It's just not about us. We, what we do or don't do affects all kinds of other people, eh? And one of the things that we say is we pursue inner healing not simply so that life will go better, but because broken people break people. These things truly come from the heart, Jesus said. And can we have that next slide? And so some people think, well, what is the heart? It's just that romantic talk about the heart. But actually, let's just go on to that next slide. I think that we need to begin thinking biblically, especially about the matters of the heart. There's a Hebrew word. When Jesus said, I've come to heal the brokenhearted, that word broken in Hebrew means fractured in many pieces. It means broken. But that word heart is this word, just a small word. Word And it's, it's translated heart, but it can also be translated inner man. So Jesus has come to heal the inner man, the inner me. Oswald Chambers says if you're reading the Bible and you come across the word heart, you can, the word heart, you can transpose me and just say simply, Jesus has come to heal the broken me or create in me a clean heart, create in me a clean me. It means the core of who we are. It can also be translated soul, our mind, our will, and emotions. It can also be translated understanding and memory. So some people freak out if you say, you know, God wants to heal that memory. Is that biblical? Yes. Memory is a function of the heart. How many of you have read that scripture? These things have I hidden my heart that I might not sin against thee. Mary pondered these things in her in her heart. Jesus turned to them and he said, what thinketh ye in your heart? So we think, we, we remember from our heart. It's a function of the heart. 
And so oftentimes there are really terrible, horrible memories that need to be processed, that need to be healed. God doesn't take our memories away, but I believe with everything within us that he removes the trauma and the fear and the shock and the shame from those memories so that they can be restored as part of who we are. That word heart can also be translated, I think this is interesting, the seat of moral conscience. Now look around you in the world today. Do you think that our moral conscience needs to be healed? Absolutely. How about passions? Now some people th think when you get to be a Christian, you know, you have to just die to all those passions, right? Wrong. I believe that God wants to raise up a passionate people, a people who are full of zeal and full of life. It's, it's just that our passions have gotten messed up. They just need to get the twist out, the wickedness out, and restored to our rightful design. Our passions need to be healed. Oh, if you read about the, the, you know, the celebrations, Jesus or God said, celebrate this. Oh, and celebrate this. Oh, your harvest is over. Celebrate that. Come together. Um, save money. Come together. Celebrate. So we don't have to die to those things, but the sinful ways that those things work out in our life. It can also be translated will. Our will can be broken, especially if we've, um, if we've said no, no, no repeatedly in the past and the bad thing has happened or our, our will was overridden over and over. If um, we were forced to do something against our will or conscience <clears throat> or some people that are coming into the church, um, you know, they've said they've known it was wrong to do something. The Holy Spirit has said, no, that's wrong. The Bible said, no, that's wrong. But they've chosen to do it anyway, so their, their will or their conscience has been seared. We, we need healing. Our will needs to be healed. Our mind, our thinking, our appetites, emotions, healing of emotions. Wow, it's not just, you know, Chip Dodd says the emotions are the language of the heart. And so if we look at biblically what, what the word heart means, when Jesus said, I have come to heal the brokenhearted. Doesn't this help you to get a better understanding that basically Jesus has come to heal the broken me? And if you've looked at church history, I believe a revival is coming, eh? I really believe we're on the brink of it. But if you look at church history and revival history, how many of them were sustained for a very long time? Not too many. They fell over, and if you do your research, the reason why they fell over, for the most part, it was character issues, sin. And so we need that character to be able to carry the gifting, to be able to carry the anointing, A. Eh? So pursuing healing of the heart is about us, that we would be transformed into the image of Jesus Christ to become more and more like him. But it's also so that we'll be able to carry the anointing, so that we'll be able to carry the glory. so that we'll be able to be part of what God wants to do 
in this day. Not someday, but I believe now. Revival is here now. It's not just coming. I shouldn't have said it's coming. I believe it's here now. And so let's just pause. I really felt as I was praying that there would be a, a, a young man, and when you saw that diagram of the fruit, something clicked, and you thought, oh, that explains a few things. So for you, there's hope. And for me, a young man is anyone under 65. <laughs> That's how old I am. So um, I just want to encourage us just to quiet our heart right now. Just let the Holy Spirit breathe. We sang that song. Just let the Holy Spirit breathe. Did you see that list? Is there something on that list? And you went, oh, you know, there's some really good fruit in my life, but there's some bad fruit in my life. I'm hurting people. In my brokenness, I am breaking people. And I'm wondering if maybe the worship team, if you could just come up and we're just going to let the Holy Spirit just brood over us just for a few minutes here. Let the Holy Spirit do his work. Are you tired of your fine face? Putting on your fine face? I remember being a brand new Christian and I was in a, a denominational church and I was a young mom, had both my kids, and I was brokenhearted. And they were serving communion. And I was sobbing. I was sobbing quietly because I had my fine face on and I didn't want people to know. But as the man came to serve me communion, I'll, I'll never forget this. This has been almost 45 years ago, but I remember it. As he was serving me communion, he looked at me and he was startled. And he didn't know what to do. And he went by me. And I left that day more brokenhearted. I didn't know who to ask. But you know what? They didn't know what to do. And so my heart, and you can just play softly when you're ready. My heart is to not only bring people to healing, to listen to the sobs, and to simply say what's going on inside. But to have tools to know what to do when they begin to share. The brokenness is getting greater and greater and greater. Sometimes I hear stories and I think, how, how did you survive this? But sometimes we go through things and we think, well, my life isn't as bad as this person or that person. You know what? Your heart matters to God. You matter to God. What you've gone through, what you're carrying today. And maybe there's some things that are surfacing in you right now. And you're like me. I didn't know who to ask. I was too embarrassed to, to really approach anybody. But don't let that be you. Don't leave here without finding someone to pray with you. I'm going to ask if there are some people who could pray up here. 
I'm just going to ask you to come on up and just get in position. Just a prayer team, those of you who feel like you'd like to pray. And if the Holy Spirit has just been working something in you, even as I've been speaking or before this, don't miss this opportunity. If something is hurting, maybe you recognize some of that fruit. You know what? We'd like to pray with you. And so I'm going to just pray a prayer to close. Uh, Matt, did you want to close the meeting after that? And then those of you who would like prayer, if you'd like to come up. So Holy Spirit, we just thank you for today. We thank you, God, that you have given us a new heart. We thank you, God, that you're helping us to learn how to live out of it. We thank you, Father, that because of our relationship with you, we can produce out of relationship that fruit of the Holy Spirit. Lord, I just thank you for each person here. Lord, it's hard sometimes to get past the fine face and say, ah, I need some prayer. But I pray for courage, Father, for those that that really need one-on-one -on -one today, that you would give them courage to come, that you would give them patience to wait if they need to, but that you would bless each one on their healing journey. Encourage each one, Lord. Father, we want to manifest you. We want to, work, we want to represent you well. We want to be real. And so, Holy Spirit, bless each one. Encourage each heart today. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. And I felt like as I prayed to that there was a man and your life took a turn at 12 years old it was a major thing that happened to you a major heart thing and so if that's you when the Holy Spirit reveals a word of knowledge I really encourage you just to come up and I'll pray with you and you can just say I was the boy if God releases a word of knowledge, he wants to do something about it. So in Jesus' name, Lord, we just thank you for your healing. And we thank you that tonight we're going to learn how to practically apply this and to work this out. So Lord, those that you've designed to come back tonight, Lord, we pray that you would bring us back fresh and uh, willing to receive all that you have. In Jesus' name. Amen. Could we all stand together just as we finish? Could we have some more people that are willing to pray for others come up the front? You might think, oh, I don't, uh, I don't know if I can, I'm, I'm, I'm good enough to do that, but, uh, but we, we, 
the more people that are up here will mean the more people can be prayed for. So just come up and face towards the church if, you, if you'd be available for praying for people. If you would like someone to pray for you this morning, then just come on up. There's this just going to be a swirl of activity that's going to happen this morning as we, uh, as we close the service. There's going to be prayer. So uh, come on up, and, and that can just take as long or as short as it, as it needs to, but that'll be happening. We will close, and there's going to be coffee on and just chatting and hanging out, and that's all a very important part of church life on a, on a Sunday morning. So um, feel free to, um, to stay as long as you like with that as well and um, enjoy that so um, but my expectation is is that hearing something like this I think I think we can all relate to this to some degree or another that there is it's hard to go through life without getting smacked around or making a, a bad decision here a bad decision there having some people do things to us that have been um, traumatic or um, just hard just hard and and it does have an impact on us so can I encourage you this morning to be brave just take a deep breath find some courage and come up and have someone and just grab someone up here and um, and say I'd love you to pray for me about this um, could I also just say just talking about Elijah house I know it's a it sort of feels like a, a, a it's, it's maybe it's an organization you've never heard of before, and it's, you know, that Elijah's this Old Testament prophet, and you think, oh, what's that all about? Well, can I just tell you, it's Elijah House, they make time and space for people to come in and actually step into prayer ministry in a, in a deeper, ongoing way. And Peter over here, the silver-haired fox, uh, so... Um, Peter's our main guy with Elijah House here at uh, at Coast Vineyard, and if if this morning it feels a little a little bit um, too big a step, uh, but you think you know what, this is I like the sound of good fruit. I like the sound of good fruit, and you know whatever I can do to to sort out some 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 bad roots, then I'm up for it. And again, I'd encourage you to connect with uh, with Peter and his wife, Trish, is, is here as well. Um, all right. So just just come on forward. We'll, we'll let the band finish with, uh, we'll just sing that Breathe On Us one more time. Just come on up. After that, I'll close. And uh, my guess is there'll be prayer, there'll be coffee, there'll be just the swirl of life happening.